Nintendo, Nintendo stuff. stuff. And welcome, finally, uh, again, once again, <laughs> to another episode of Nintendo Stuff. It's been a few weeks, Brandon. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, but if you're a longtime fan of the show or you've been listening the last few weeks, you'll know that there's been some renovating going on. One of the things being that you're here. Yeah, we are in the same room right now. We are not over the internet. Um, obviously, there's no video. Uh today uh, and there's other reasons for that but yeah we are in the same room like i don't have to have a pair of headphones to have a conversation with you yeah my ears are free this is the first also not the first but the only delay is the delay that it takes for the sound from my mouth to reach your ears well there's an additional delay and that's for the cogs in my head to turn to actually develop an appropriate response yeah uh but more or less it's just instantaneous there's no it's wow it's like an actual conversation (laughs) i it's it's so good to finally be at this point because we've been wanting to do this for a while like we built the you can't see it because no video for this episode but we've got the podcast table that we built for the explicit purpose of doing podcasts in person with a live feed and we were only able to use it like three or four times and it's been built for six months yeah well i mean i'm so glad it was built for those things and then obviously it's ready for for what we're doing for doing now and uh in the immediate future as well and we were talking about this too even before the show like this is such a multi-purpose table we can do uh uh the break room breakfast show from the table here we can do our live streams we can do the podcast we can take this table up to my streaming station and Logan and I can play games and both have our own dedicated microphones. <laughs> That's never happened for us before. It's it's great to finally be at this point. Um, and to address the video really quickly, uh, I actually need an additional cable in order to get our video feed working, and I don't quite have it yet. I anticipate by the next episode we'll have that squared away. We have the camera. We have the tripod. <laughs> tripod. We just need uh, one cable, and that'll... That'll finish us out. So, for now, enjoy the lovely thumbnail with the goose from Untitled Use Game. Yeah, which is something that I still very much need to play, but it's been in my face uh, for quite a while now, especially since it launched and the uh, the memes went wild. Yeah, the internet has really gotten attached to it. Our mutual friend Jake, I even see him posting about it, and I don't even think he has a Switch of his own. Yeah, no, there's a there's a lot of different memes, uh, and a lot of them, them intersecting uh, with other parts of like my life. There's a lot of political memes as well that I appreciate. Um, but yeah, I I will probably get a chance to play it this week, and I really look forward to it. Yeah, it's sitting there on my switch. Also, your your dad's been playing it on the stream. My dad? Your dad. Oh, my dad Joe. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I was like. You really took me for a spin there for a second. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> so uh, if you follow me on Twitter at Bababs, shameless plug, um, you will know that I have officially labeled Joe Zija, the voice of Claude from Fire Emblem Three Houses, as my official dad. And he liked the tweet, which means it's true now. Yeah, he uh, approved of this message, and now he is Brandon's father. Yes, and my father has been streaming Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, but I mean, other than that, like things have been like uh, on and off. There's some larger things that we uh, can talk about. Uh, first off, I w- sounds like you've been playing a lot of 
of Mario Kart Tour? I have. It, it's been kind of on and off. I, I got into it pretty heavy in the first week, um, but I've kind of slowed down because the, the way the game is mapped out is every two weeks the tour changes. So uh, in the first week, they'll give you the first big chunk of the tour that you have access to. <clears throat> so you can open the gifts, you can play the uh, play the, the actual cups, and then there'll be a point where some other cups and the prizes are under construction, and you have to wait a few days for them to be available, um, which is just a way of kind of moderating how much you're actually playing, which is nice because there's a lot of content there to begin with. Um, but I haven't been playing much recently because I basically run out of things to do. Mm-hmm. That said, tomorrow they are starting the next actual tour, which is going from New York to Tokyo, Japan. So we'll have a brand new Mario Kart track in the Tokyo track to play, uh, as well as whatever other cups and courses they add. Uh, that said, I I have a lot of misgivings about Mario Kart Tour, and I, I think the Internet's reaction to it's been largely negative, as you've probably mm. seen. That said, I don't think all of it is exactly deserved. You know, under the hood, Mario Kart Tour is Mario Kart. It feels like Mario Kart. It plays like Mario Kart. It's visually very pleasing to look at. The The controls, while not perfect, they, they get the job done. Um, but this whole gotcha model is really frustrating. I have been okay with gotcha-style games in the past, like Fire Emblem Heroes and Dragalia Lost. I enjoyed playing those. Those games have a large, very large swath of things that you can actually pull from the gotcha machine. That's not true for Mario Kart Tour. So Mario Kart Tour launched with only, you know, 10, 11, 12 characters, 10, 11, 12 carts, and 10, 11, 12 gliders. And you can get any one of those things from a gotcha pull. I have pulled maybe seven new things total everything else has been a duplicate i have gotten so many duplicates it's unbelievable like i feel like every time i get the amount of rubies i need to get a new pull i'm just going to get something i already have and granted they do use that to then level up the thing that you already have so Mm -hmm. you know like if you get uh if you get the same card again it'll go from level one to level two and that will increase the amount of points you get and the amount of experience you get from using that cart in a race. But, you know, I'm not as concerned with that as I am about collecting characters and collecting cart parts, because unlike actual Mario Kart, your characters, your carts, and your gliders have advantages on specific tracks. So if I use Toadette on, like, a Toad Circuit track, she'll be in the top tier, which means that if I use her, I will have more of an advantage than everyone below that. Mm-hmm. Then if I use a cart in the top tier and then a glider in the top tier, every time I go over an item box, I get three items. Three. Every single time. That also grants you access to an item called a frenzy. A frenzy is an item you get if you get three of the same item in a single roulette. So if I get three mushrooms, I will basically become invincible like if you got a star man. uh, And I can just keep tapping the screen over and over again to constantly use the item. Um, so it's just like speed boosts for a ton of time. And that's only available to people who have, you know, a full three tier set. That's not fair. It, it kind of dis it, it discourages me from playing the game because 
you know, I could be in a race that I just don't have any high tier stuff for, and it's almost impossible for me to get all five grand stars, which is the rating you get at the end of a race. So the rating is not actually based on your placement. The rating you get is based on the number of actions you perform. If you power slide, if you hit people with items, um, if you super jump, if you do stuff like that, your placement only adds to that score at the end. So you get points for placements one, two, and three, and then everything else is just based on how you performed physically, which is okay. It kind of balances out some of the aspects of the tiered gotcha system. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, it's racing. Why, Why do I lose if I get first place? There have been races I've gotten first place in that I've only gotten three out of five stars. That's really discouraging to me as a Mario Kart player because it's incentivizing the wrong, you know, elements of gameplay in my mind. Like, if I'm racing somebody, if I get first place, in my mind, that means I won. But the game is telling me I didn't. That's frustrating. Yeah. Now, I haven't played a ton. I did re-download it earlier um, and and got to play a little bit. Uh, I just played the one track. just kind of tried to get how it feels um it's weird having to just essentially just power slide uh with the current settings that i have and i went into the settings to you know check all the the options and and see and it just kind of it felt really discouraging just to see like that like i don't know it feels kind of stuck with what it is you know um and i didn't even go into that yeah and and so I, you know, I certainly heard about the gotcha style uh, microtransactions and and all this other stuff, which I mean, from a business standpoint, makes sense because they're probably going to make a ton of money off of this, especially um, you know it being their fastest downloaded free to play title, uh, which totally makes sense given that it's it's Mario Kart, um, and then. But, I mean, outside of that, like, just trying to play it, I wasn't having a lot of fun. Yeah, the uh, the control system, I think, certainly fights back against that, at least for me. Because, um, like you said, you, you're stuck between choosing to steer or to power slide exclusively. There is a method to steer and power slide individually, um, but that requires you to turn on gyro controls on your phone. Mm-hmm. And I like gyro controls, but I don't like gyro controls when I have to look at the thing that I'm turning. Yeah. So, like, I can't, I can't focus on what I'm doing if I'm turning the screen around because then I can't I can't see the track. Yeah. So there there are definitely some, some fixes that the game needs. Uh, and it, it basically punishes people who don't play with the drift controls because if you choose not to power slide, those are points that you are just not getting from... Uh, from the super boosts that you would mm-hmm. get. And that makes it even harder for those players to get grand stars and to keep playing the tour. It's frustrating. Like, I, I know people are upset about the subscription model, like the four ninety nine a month to yep. access 200cc. Um, honestly, I don't mind that so much. The 200cc isn't really all that worth the price of admission, so you're not missing much. That said... It does operate like a battle pass, like in Fortnite, where yeah. uh, when you level up, you get more rewards than another player would. And a lot of the time, uh, the rewards you get is going to be more rubies so that you can keep 
pulling from the gotcha machine. And in, in, in my head, that's okay. Because, like, when you look at the pricing model for what they're asking for for X amount of rubies, you're going to get way more rubies just by playing, paying for the subscription and playing the game normally. Mm-hmm. So if you're into that kind of thing, uh, that's a pretty decent way out. That said, four ninety nine is a lot of money when you consider overall what you're getting. Yeah. But if you're mad about not having 200cc because you don't pay for the subscription, I wouldn't worry about that because it's not really worth it. Yeah, the 200cc is kind of like whatever uh, in my mind. Um, I kind of made uh, you were you were watching a um, a beat 'em ups video earlier in the week. Uh, yeah. And, and he was uh, Woods was talking about you know this model and his criticisms of it uh, and i kind of made a snarky comment about how oh well it's i guess it's just meant to like make people frustrated so they'll just like purchase a switch and purchase mario kart 8 deluxe yeah because uh, like that's what it makes me want to do it makes me want to put down my phone and it makes me want to pick up my switch and just play mario kart 8 deluxe you know because that game is superb the amount of content in that game and uh the way it controls and the other features whatever it may be the design decisions like that game's fantastic and i know nintendo initially was like hey we're gonna make these mobile games to like push people uh towards you know our main products you know um so it it makes it seem like you know they don't really want people so much to spend money but it it seems like the the models, the monetization models they go for are getting like increasingly like predatory. Yeah. You know, and looking for the, the whales, you know, it's it's funny, too, because like there were a lot of complaints about Dragalia Lost, which was developed by Psy Games for having too many, you know, predatory practices in the monetization model. And then Nintendo actually reached out to them and said, we want you to scale this back mm-hmm. so clearly they still care about the way they're perceived when they when they price these games out um but i think uh, i'm glad you brought up the beat ups video because uh, i think another important thing to note is that they tried to just have a standard pay-to-play by the game model with super mario run and it severely underperformed and then they had more games which uh, excuse me they had more games with a less predatory pricing model, and the games just weren't performing that well. I think Nintendo have realized that in this day and age, people are just going to spend money on microtransactions. We are not that crowd. I want to make that uh, right. incredibly clear. Like You and me, Mr. Nintendo, Mr. PlayStation, Mr. Xbox, most of us are not you know, into giving into that kind of thing because we're used to playing games that we pay for, $60 for, and then get a full experience out of. So this is targeting mostly casual gamers, like you said, who probably aren't already playing games like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Um, And then maybe hopefully persuading them at some point to take the plunge into the the grander video game market. Uh, So it's hard for me to criticize them in this case. Obviously, I don't agree with the way the game is set up because it it de-incentivizes me personally from playing it. Mm-hmm. But I know that Mr. Non-Gamer, 35-year-old man, uh, he's probably enjoying himself playing Mario Kart Tour. Uh, so I can't entirely fault them for that. They're, they're tapping into a market that they don't yet have. You know, they're building... I don't want to call it a blue ocean, but they're tapping into something that's established. And 
we can't really fault them for that entirely because it's not for us. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of that's how these games work. I mean, that being said, Nintendo's really not doing anything differently than the vast majority of mobile game makers. You can still play a whole lot of the game without Mm -hmm. having to spend any money. Um, They just put it in your face a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, I've... So, talking about one of their other uh, mobile games that I personally have played a ton of, and that's Dr. Mario World. Mm -hmm. Uh, It kind of has a similar model. They don't have the subscription-based thing. You can buy, you know, jewels to... uh, you know, do the gotcha and uh, and get characters, but the characters don't necessarily have like huge advantages over another. They have you know different aspects to them. Mm-hmm. But like again, I can get really really far in the game with only one character, and I've only unlocked two other characters in the game. You know, and you you completed like the first whole set of stages, right? Oh yeah, like so each of the worlds is like two sections. Um, in each world is like 40 puzzles each and right now I'm less than like 40 puzzles out from what they currently have released and they'll just release like half of a world at a time and since I think since they've done that they've released like five segments so like like a hundred extra levels wow uh, which is a lot of content and I haven't (laughs) spent a dime you know um but I also that that makes me appreciate that game for what it is sure. because I can still play and enjoy that game and especially like the multiplayer if I wanted to, um, and I don't feel like the monetization gets in the way. But I also anticipate that you know Nintendo is probably not going to make as much money off of Doctor Mario World as they are after uh, off of Mario Kart. And that you know putting aside the fact that so many more people are going to be playing Mario Kart Tour than they are going to be playing Doctor Mario World. Um, but I guess you know Nintendo's just also partially like a slave. Uh, to the market and the kind of practices that are currently in place you know like you said like they tried the standalone hey i'm gonna pay 10 bucks you know for super mario run Uh, i could also argue uh for the fact that that game also didn't have enough content to justify like 10 bucks worth like i I agree with you on that yeah. yeah um and then maybe where's like the the runner mode where it's just like infinite running. Like I know. loved the runner mode, and but you know the thing about that is that you don't need to buy the game to play it. Right, right. <laughs> um, but so there were some limitations in terms of the content for Super Mario Run, uh, and I think that has something to do with it. But I think you know I think there is something to be said about getting on your phone. Uh, and seeing that there's like an immediate like oh this is five dollars this is ten dollars and then just kind of being like well why would I do that when I could play all these free games you know and watch yeah the, the market wasn't groomed for that yeah uh, I mean you know now we're in a stage of you know mobile gaming where we have subscription services like Apple Arcade and the one from uh, for Google Play which are priced incredibly well and feature a lot of quality games so maybe nintendo can swing back that other direction and just put some games on those services yeah because i would be far more incentivized to play a more complete experience developed by nintendo or one of their subsidiaries or third parties uh that didn't 
you know, feature a ton of microtransactions that yeah. just allowed me to play. I mean, I guess that's what the Switch is for, you know. And <laughs> yeah. certainly the Switch has its share of free to play, free to start experiences that have some, you know, monetization models that Super are Super Kirby Clash. Yeah. I really want to like that game. But I mean, that being said, you can go purchase Kirby Star Allies and just play, you know, that, but a little bit different gameplay. I do have some positive things to say about Super, Super Kirby Clash. Uh, though it's that there's a there's a hard limit on how much money you can spend okay i think they only let you spend up to 30 dollars, and at that point the whole game is just available to you oh okay so like if you like the game enough you can just say i'll pay 30 dollars for that and mm-hmm. then just keep playing it okay that sounds like a very nintendo thing yeah uh which i don't i don't mind at that Re- point remember rusty rusty's real deal baseball Yes. Where you had to uh, you had to heckle the guy in order to get him to come down in price. Uh-huh. Bring that back. I will. I play the heck out of that. Yeah, that's pretty pretty funny. Um, so there are a few, and, and so ultimately, what I'll say last about Mario Kart Tour is that it's the fastest mobile game launch uh, in Nintendo's history, mm-hmm. uh, which again shouldn't be surprising. Uh, there are also other numbers from Nintendo uh, that are looking pretty good, uh, and that is that during its first three days on sale in Japan, the Nintendo Switch Lite sold 177,000 units. I mean, one, that's really good for Japan um, when you consider how things normally sell there, but also, like, when you consider the attach rate of the switch already in japan that's fantastic i wonder how many of those people were currently existing switch owners yeah i mean also like thinking about just a a cheaper more mobile oriented model especially in japan like yeah. it's it's probably going to do fantastic it's long a it's term. a no-brainer yeah and then we got you know uh, Pokemon on the way. We got Animal Crossing on the way. We got so many other games, and then already there's this huge back catalog on the Switch that they can just play at any time. We have Yokai Watch Four coming out too. It mm-hmm. may already be out in Japan. Um, and also, like you know, the the last rung on that ladder of you know hot selling mobile titles for Japan, Monster Hunter. I feel like that's the next one for for switch uh, yes please i would love a monster hunter on my switch i mean even even in addition to monster hunter world you yeah know? absolutely um and i think that would complement everything else that's coming out for it really well and we know how well mobile monster hunter does in japan so like oh again God. it's a no-brainer yeah it's it'll be it'll be huge just like just like always uh moving on from that we have a little bit of some sad news and i have some mixed feelings about this uh, and that is the Mario and Luigi RPG developer Alpha Dream has filed for bankruptcy. Um, I we don't know all of the, you know, the information surrounding this and how this happened and whatnot. Uh, but I think since then Nintendo now has possession of the IP for Mario and Luigi. They do. Uh, which seems strange, like they didn't have possession of the IP before. I was wondering about that because. <laughs> Shouldn't they have? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this this brings up several questions. Mm-hmm. You and I are both fans of Arlo, and even Arlo was a little uncertain how he felt about this whole thing because Arlo is a big fan of Paper Mario. Yes. And a lot of people attribute the downfall of Paper Mario, or I shouldn't say downfall. There's still some good qualities about the mm-hmm. current games, but uh, the change in Paper Mario 
was as a was a result of Mario and Luigi just existing. Nintendo said we have two concurrently running Mario RPGs, RPGs yeah. and we don't want that. So uh, Mario and Luigi got to keep the RPG, and Paper Mario just kind of became something new. Um, so you have multiple sides to the camp here. You have people who are upset that Alpha Dream is no more, uh, myself included. But I'm I'm also emotionally tied to the other team because this yeah. means we might get a new Paper Mario that I actually want to play. Yeah, I don't like to celebrate like necessarily the loss of of specifically like jobs and developers. You know, this is oh absolutely what to do and, yeah. and other things. Um, but like there was that immediate reaction, like what does this mean for the mm -hmm. future of Paper Mario specifically? And obviously the IP still exists. That doesn't mean there's going to be one that's developed uh, soon, um, especially since like the last few Mario and Luigi games were merely just remakes. Yeah. Um, I think that was kind of the writing on the wall for Alpha Dream 2, you know, that they were resorting to that. Yeah, just kind of pumping them out. And especially with the, uh, I would say, dying 3DS. Yeah, you know, I'm surprised, like, we, we hadn't come to that conclusion sooner because when you look at it, you know, sales of Mario and Luigi games, just they were nosediving, mm. like, from Dream Team onward, it was just less and less with each subsequent release, even considering the remakes, which people were actually anticipating. Um, yeah, I think it was kind of fate that this was going to happen at this point. Yeah. Um, and certainly, I don't think, and, and, and really thinking about it, I don't think necessarily mario and luigi was the whole reason that like paper mario got messed up you know in our opinion no um because certainly there were other people who made those decisions to to i mean they could have kept going with just like you know these two concurrent rpg um games now i think after the last few paper mario games hopefully nintendo kind of um you know really started to understand that like you know the people who are the hardcore fans of paper mario are looking for something that's very original paper mario a uh, thousand year door which i was playing earlier today you know the fact that i can pick up a game that's you know i think that game's like 15 years old now um yeah wow and and that game is still like beyond fantastic it's a master class game yeah like it's a total masterpiece so um i i think some elements to what you were saying that nintendo is aware of the you know response to paper mario and what people are looking for i think there are a lot of elements of paper mario color splash that make that clear such as the you know the reintroduction of a proper storyline the reintroduction of more varied locales with interesting characters and funny writing uh, that game had me laughing out loud all the time, and that's not even something I can completely say about The Thousand Year Door, and it's a funny game too, but mm. Color Splash was a very colorful game, no pun intended. Um, and then in addition to that, Paper Mario featured in Mario & Luigi Paper Jam. I think, you know, them inserting Paper Mario into another game that's an RPG was a clear attempted love letter to fans that hey we know this is what you want mm -hmm. have this for right now and maybe we'll have something better to say later on so i think that says it all i think they know that people want a proper paper mario and you know intelligent systems just released one of the best fire emblem games they've ever made 
So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they've been chugging out a Paper Mario behind the scenes for the last couple of years. Oh, that would be really, really fantastic. I mean, Color uh, Splash came out 2016. Yeah. It's plenty of time. Especially if it had as much personality as something like uh, Thousand Year Door. And I would even say Super Paper Mario had like a ton of, of I personality. I love that game. It's yeah. a great game. I mean, it's not like the turn-based combat of Thousand Year Door, but it still had a lot going for it. It and still had the heart of Paper Mario yes. at its core, which I think is something that uh, got lost in Sticker Star mm-hmm. and kind of came back in Color Splash. Um, it knew what Paper Mario was yeah. at the very least. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, having all those, like, the zany off-the-wall characters that you weren't going to find in other Mario games mm-hmm. and uh, different, you know, worlds that you would go to and, and you'd discover things. and It even told a, a pretty compelling story of kind of the uh, the feeling of loss that the, the villain was, was going through. And they did a really cool thing with Luigi halfway yep. through the game, which I'll just leave if you haven't played it yet. <laughs> Um, yeah. Mr. L. Mr. L. That game had a lot of cool ideas. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm okay if they want to make a new Paper Mario that isn't necessarily like a traditional RPG, but you know you can't you can't go halfway with it. Like Sticker Star and Color Splash, for the for the most part, they're Paper Mario games. You just don't have the experience points or the partners. If they want to make Paper Mario something new, they just need to make it something completely new. Don't leave me with remnants of what I once loved because that's just going to make me wish that's what I got. Yeah. I mean, I certainly want – there are certain things I do want back. Like I would love like, you know, the turn-based – turn-based battle system with action commands and and things like that uh, because I feel like that's really core uh to to super paper mario um but outside of that like yeah bring us bring us something new because i mean nintendo's pretty good about when they bring something new to the table like really knocking it out of the park and uh you know really um crushing a lot of the preconceived notions that we might have had previously yeah they've done a great job specifically this generation uh, of doing that with a ton of their IP. That's that's one of the reasons I'm confident that Paper Mario will come back and it will come back strong. Yeah. Uh, though I don't think we should leave this conversation without discussing what's to happen to Mario and Luigi. Because, uh, you know, when we were having the discussion about making Paper Mario something new, it just occurred to me that if you make Paper Mario what it was back in the N64 and GameCube days, that leaves you the freedom to then use Mario and Luigi and make something new with that instead. Oh, certainly. Yeah, I think a Switch Mario and Luigi game that maybe isn't an RPG, maybe it's a platformer or some other genre they haven't touched before, and just do something fun with that instead. I think that'd be great. I mean, even you could keep it as an RPG, just, you know, have it diverge in other ways. Yeah. And really uh, have it be its its own own thing. Yeah. who knows? Uh, there is something that uh, there's another IP uh, called Super Mario Maker uh, that Nintendo kind of knocked out of the park, uh, especially with the second entry uh, and especially with the most recent update for the game that brought us some features that we did not um, we were asking for. They were sorely missed at the launch yeah. of the game. 
the biggest one obviously being the introduction of multiplayer with friends something that they uh kind of kind of promised during e3 during one of the treehouse streams and it's here now so you can log into super mario maker 2 and you can queue up with friends and it <laughs> excuse me but the way i believe it works is that you can uh you can either pick a course that's currently in your course spot if you're the leader or you can just do like you do in uh the endless mode and just kind of set some basic parameters and then it will choose courses for you based on that yeah um so you can do that both in co-op and in verses which is great, uh, though the one person I wanted to play online with was you, and you live here now, so we don't need that anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. Though if there are some of you in the Discord who want to play Versus online, uh, I'm your man. You just think about how much less valuable the online is now that we're in the same place. That I think, though, that's going to enrich a lot of our gaming experiences, too. Yeah, I still would like to pick up a copy of Super Mario Maker 2, especially with some of the course designs they have, especially like the, the race designs. Like They'll have the four... Uh, lanes, you might call them. Oh, yeah, because we, we can't do that on a single yeah, system. a little bit different. Uh, speaking of local play, they've also made a really great fix for that. When you and I tried to play local multiplayer, it was a struggle at first to to do that because you can't just go to the course world, find a course, and then play it, and together. Then play it together. You have to download it and then go to the course spot and then play it together there. But now... They just added the button right there in the course world. Oh, that's beautiful. Why wasn't it there in the first place? I don't know. There's like, I mean, both of these things that we've talked about so far is like, wait, Nintendo, what the heck? So I'm glad that they've gotten around to being like, oh, let's update it. And maybe it had to do with time and, and, and getting that out. This game was definitely rushed out the door. Yeah. Like, there's no mistake about that. They, they focused on the things I think they should have, like the single player story mode um, and then adding the new, the new course parts. Uh, and the reason I say that is because it came out in the middle of the year, which to me does not seem like the window that you put Super Mario Maker 2 out. Mm. That seems like a November type release yeah. to me. So, uh, yeah. Uh, the last few things they added in the update were um, it implements an official makers, a list of official makers in the leaders board section where you can find new courses from them as well as special ones created for collaborations or special events. So this is essentially the Super Mario Maker 2 version of the Twitter checkmark. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, which is nice. Um, I don't know what makes them official makers. Maybe do you like... I'm just... assuming like influencers, other brands or other game developers, because I mean, we've had everyone from from Arby's to, you know, you know, celebrities making courses. Um, so it's just a way to kind of put those at the forefront, which is nice, because that means that the uh, the actual regular consumer at home creator still gets the spotlight in the rest of the course world. Yeah. So I, I think it's great to have that separation. So everyone still gets noticed. Mm hmm. Because uh, it would have been, uh, it would have been bad. <laughs> yeah, that way it doesn't get flooded with uh, people with huge platforms just and pushing their stuff. That's always been a problem too in the original Super Mario Maker, and uh, even a little bit in two, where you go to the to the creator leaderboard and like the top twenty people are all YouTubers. Mm -hmm. So now, presumably, that won't be the case anymore. Yeah, which will be nice. Uh, and then finally, uh, they have also added the ability to use 
touchscreen and button controls when creating courses in handheld mode. The only course I've created, I created in handheld mode. And uh, I'm very happy to hear this because it was a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know Andre at Game Explain, this was one of his big gripes. So uh, I know people were definitely, you know, clamoring for this update too. This update was really the, hey, we're sorry update. (laughs) And they just kind of addressed everything. I have no complaints about Super Mario Maker 2 anymore. The game is literally perfect for me. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it was great when it came out, but I mean, not in these few last final, you know, things that felt like they were missing, like really ties it together. Oh, we forgot about another online update that they did. Uh, matches with unstable connections will automatically be disbanded before they start. Oh, fantastic. So if the game is like, oh, maybe this one won't work out, it'll just cancel it. Saves us a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Especially if you get stuck in one of those matches. I have had my fair share of those. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched I've watched some gameplay of uh, people getting stuck in some of those matches, and it's uh, it's frustrating, especially when you can't like drop out, you know. No, it's it was an actual nightmare. <laughs> so I'm glad it's gone. Um, well, uh, in terms of strictly Nintendo stuff, uh, that's all we have for this week. But we do have a few things to talk about. Uh, one game that I still need to buy uh, and add to the 2.4 million total sales across all platforms is Dead Sale, Dead Cells. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and so they didn't say how much had sold on the Switch specifically, but they did mention that the Switch sales are insane. Uh, and they credit that to kind of being a, hey, pick up, do a run, uh, and it really kind of uh, works with handheld mode. You so know? this kind of follows the trend of indie games and, you know, smaller third-party titles just killing it on Switch compared to other platforms because it's a, it's a perfect pairing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to actually remember to play this game because I I feel like I forgot about it. It got fantastic reviews when it came out. Also got caught up in some uh, and drama. You're, and you're the roguelite man. I I am. Yeah, I love uh, Binding of Isaac. I mean, I have like across uh, all the platforms that I've had it on, like over 600 hours. Like it's a lot. There's not a lot of games that I've reached that height. Yeah, that's um, crazy. Um. So shout out to uh, Motion Twin for their success with Dead Cells. Uh, Another game that I am anticipating, which is a remaster, an HD remaster, uh, which comes out at the end of the month, is Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz. Yeah, October 29th for that one. Yeah, so this came out after Super Monkey Ball 2, uh, which is a fantastic game. Was this the first release after 2? I believe so. Well, yes, I believe it was. Okay. Because then they went off. They did some other Wii-specific games with the balance board. I think there's some, like, PSP or is it a Vita release? Yeah, I think there's some PSP and Vita releases. And And um, Super Monkey Ball 3D for 3DS as well. It's had a rough time, I know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It was also fun because this past weekend we went to the galloping ghost arcade yes uh in the chicago area where um i'll just say this like i thought it was really cool that the monetization model for that was like you pay 20 bucks at the door and you play all the games you want 
And just for the record, they had like over 700 machines. Over 700 arcade machines. Yeah. It was insane. So many that I, I didn't know existed. Uh, I mentioned this partially because they had a monkey ball machine. And I definitely played some Monkey Ball. That's when I learned that Monkey Ball precedes Super Monkey Ball. I didn't realize it was an arcade game first. Uh-huh. So that was a wake-up call for me. Yeah, it was really <laughs> cool. They had, um, like, it was, it's a really simple game. Like, they literally just have, like, the select button, the start the start and select button, and then they have, like, a banana jo- joystick. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. So I played through like the easy levels, which I was able to do, and then I absolutely failed on the expert levels because they get stupid hard. At the Chuck E. Cheese's I used to work at, the, we had a Super Monkey Ball machine. Uh, I think it was just called Super Monkey Ball, mm-hmm. but rather than having a banana, uh, it was a tickets dispensing machine. So like mm-hmm. your performance actually gave you tickets. Right. Um, but instead of a banana joystick, it was like a a big marble, and you spun the marble, and that would move. I I in the direction that you spin. Yeah, it in. that sounds so much cooler. It is really neat. Yeah. Uh. So I I hope that maybe Galloping Ghost acquires that machine at some point. Yeah. Because uh, for me that might be the best way to play Monkey Ball. I you know the dream for us obviously we're called the Break Room Arcade and I think we both dream someday of actually being o- able to open our own arcade. Yes. And uh, if it, if once that happens. Uh, we got to have some monkey ball in there. Oh, absolutely. I would, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the reason, <laughs> the actual story <laughs> uh, is that Sonic is playable. Oh yeah. I forgot Super about that. Monkey ball, banana blitz. And they haven't, they haven't showed it to us yet. So we don't know if it's like him in a ball or if he's spin dashing or what the deal is. Yeah. Like, it'll be interesting to see if he's in a ball or like maybe he's just available to play in the mini games. Oh, that could be true too. Uh, which not all the mini games take place in a ball. Uh, like there's a snowboarding mini game where they're just on snowboards. I saw one that had you like slingshotting cans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you could do that one with just a, with Sonic out in the open. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited uh, overall uh, for Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz, uh, and I hope it again. I hope it revitalizes that series because I'd love to see, I'd love to see some new stuff. Yeah, for sure. I still question the choice to remake this one rather than two, because mm-hmm. um, this one is less well liked than the other two. Not to say that it's a bad game, because uh, you know I I looked up the reception and it seemed like. The reception was still kind of in line with Super Monkey Ball 2, yeah. just a little bit under. Uh, it, was, it was really after Banana Blitz where things kind of went off the rails. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. I hope they kind of revitalize the series with this. They they kind of rebranded Super Monkey Ball altogether with the new logo design, the yellow box art. Um, so it, it does seem like this is an attempt to bring Super Monkey Ball back. Yeah. And I'm excited to play it because I didn't really have that opportunity when I was a kid. And we'll be able to play together. Yeah, uh, it's it's a fantastic game. Uh, I don't. I'm trying to remember if I've actually beaten like the main story, which gets really difficult. Like you get to the third or fourth world, and it just gets d- d- stupid hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe this time. I I hope. I mean, I might just take a break uh, later tonight and just see what I can do. Pop open to... Super Monkey Ball. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I mean, maybe I should play that sometime since you have it here now. I do, I do have it. And I'm going to let you play Luigi's Mansion. Yes, yes. You have not done that before. I was like, it was so funny because like I was sitting in my room earlier. Uh, I was, 
going back and forth between a bunch of GameCube games, like literally popping them in, starting it, seeing the GameCube logo pop up and be like, nah, popping it out, putting it in another game. I put in like three or four <laughs> games before I decided that I was like, okay, I'm just going to play Monster Hunter on my <laughs> PS4. Uh, but then like it did pop in my head. I'm like, wait, Brandon has... Uh, Luigi's Mansion. I've never played through the original Luigi's Mansion. Uh, and then, sure enough, without even saying anything to Brandon, when he got home and I was just sitting in there playing um, and mentioning that to him, he walks in uh, with Luigi's Mansion. I was like, "Wow, this is this is perfect." I can't believe we're like so in sync. I could. Um, it just. I could feel it. You know, <laughs> it's that telepathy. Um, speaking of. Uh, games that I still need to play uh, which is part of the title of this episode is is Goose Game. So I'd like to discuss that a little bit. I'd like to discuss uh, how it exploded uh, onto yeah. the scene. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> um, I didn't anticipate, I was anticipating this game. I did not anticipate the splash that it made uh, considering it, it reached number one on the Nintendo Switch eShop charts that's incredible because it came out the same day as the legend of zelda Link's awakening yeah <laughs> that's incredible i just remember when they revealed this game and they were like it's untitled goose game right and thinking maybe that was a placeholder and maybe it was a placeholder um name and then just thinking like you know what they should just keep it they should just go with Untitled Goose Game. Like It's part of the game's identity now. Yeah, uh, it kind of goes in line with like maybe Goat Simulator, except kind of a spin on that. You I know? was going to get to that a little bit because yeah. I, I feel like that's part of the reason this game is blowing up because, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of nondescript. You're just a goose doing goose things. Um, it's perfect for that YouTube, that kind of young player crowd. They're going to be really attracted to something like yeah. this. And it's also a wonderful game, so it's perfect. Yeah, it's silly. It's chaotic. Uh, I can't wait to actually play it. Um, you know, everybody's been talking about it. Um, I, there's been a ton of original art and memes uh, going around on the Internet. Like, it's absolutely incredible just, like, the, the amount of spread that that game already has. Yeah. You know, and certainly helped with the sales of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love seeing it getting injected into meme culture. Like, it just keeps getting <laughs> combined with other memes. Uh, you know, a few days ago, we had that 24-hour Pokemon stream, which eventually revealed Galarian Ponyta, uh, we think. I don't know if it's been officially named, but that's what it looks like. Um, and <laughs> there was a bunch of memes around that day of just the shot of the forest waiting for something to happen, and then a meme would appear one of my favorites was Joker Joker from Persona 5 appearing and then doing the default Fortnite dance. Um, but then I saw like four different versions of just the goose walking through the screen and honking. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, good on you, Goose Game. You've, you, you've really become a part of culture today. Yeah. Uh, I appreciated the Ace Attorney uh, meme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that one was pretty good. Uh, I think the chaotic nature of it also um, has appealed to uh, some of my uh, my political tendencies. Which, I was thinking about like, that. Like, yeah. there was a one if you know, like the anarchist kind of um, 
saying like no gods no masters you know <laughs> there the was a, yeah there was <laughs> just a painting of the goose and like a bunch of signs that says no gods no masters and it just it was a beautiful beautiful sentiment oh it's so good uh i've i have actually played goose game so uh, i bought it a few days after Link's awakening came out i wanted to kind of get my zelda fill before i started playing it i actually started playing it the day you moved in um and I think it runs about two-ish hours, two, three hours. And I know I'm in the area right before the final area of the game. Uh, but it's just how it sounds. You are a goose. There's no introduction to the goose. You just end up in this guy's garden and you just start wreaking havoc. <laughs> you're, you're given a to-do list and the to-do list will... I like to think of it more as a suggestion box, <laughs> but you do have to do them. Yeah. Um, after you do a certain amount of things on the to-do list, you will unlock a new thing on the to-do list, which will ultimately grant you access to the next section. Okay. Um, so it'll be anything from, like, uh, you know, steal this man's shoes and force him to walk around barefoot. Uh, one of my favorites, this will be a light spoiler because it's an experience-based game, um, there's a lady who's in her backyard who has a lot of like crazy, you know, 50 year old cat lady, you know, like lawn art type things. Yeah. Uh, and one of her lawn arts was a, was a statue of a goose that had a bow tie on. So, uh, what I did is I moved the statue away when she wasn't looking, took off the bow tie set it down nearby where the statue was and then walked up to the spot where the statue was where I was given a button prompt and I pressed the prompt and the goose like formed just like the statue and stayed still until the lady came back saw that the bow tie had fallen off and then reattached it to me oh my god <laughs> so it's just a bunch of silly stuff like that you're not always just being a jerk sometimes you're just doing things because it's funny mm-hmm. um yeah and <laughs> There are also things that the game doesn't tell you you can do. I will spoil one of the secret to-do list things because it's right in the beginning area. Uh, The gardener, he has a gate out front that you have to get him to open before you can go in. And he has a pair of keys that he keeps on his belt loop. You can steal the keys and use it to open the door. But if you're tricky enough, you can get the keys inside the garden, shut the door, and lock it without him in it. And then you will unlock the secret to-do list passage, lock the gardener out of his garden. <laughs> and he just stands there, scratching his head. There's a picture of the keys above his head, and there's nothing he can do about it. He will literally stay outside of the garden for the rest of the game if you don't let him back in. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad somebody thought of this. Thought of, you know, like, let's make a game where you're just a goose and you're going off because um, geese have a reputation yeah, of yeah, being absolutely. annoying yeah. so like it's it's perfect they they knew exactly what they were going for with this the the game whenever you like pick something up and start running away and maybe the person that the item belongs to starts to chase you the game will accompany you with piano like piano pieces will start coming in to kind of accentuate the action because otherwise mm. it's a completely silent experience so it makes it that much better when you take something and start running away because it makes you feel funny about it yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, they they've really l- nailed the uh, the whole presentation of the game. You feel good when you steal stuff and you know just cause havoc, and the the game makes sure to congratulate you well, for I'm it. I'm glad they make make you feel good uh, about doing crime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right up my alley. Uh, I don't endorse crime. Untitled uh, cr- <laughs> abuse crime game. Goose crime game. I I I endorse goose crimes, uh, but nothing. Not else. people crimes. Yeah. Uh, so I think that is it for this week on Nintendo stuff. If there's anything else you want to say, Brandon, anything else you want to mention? Uh, I think I do want to mention a couple things that I've been playing, uh, in light of a lack of news. Um, one of them being a game I let you play too, being Sayonara Wild Hearts. Yes. Which is a game that is both available on Switch as well as Apple Arcade. Um, this game kind of blew me away. <laughs> uh, I remember you and I watched the Game Awards live last year. It was the one that revealed Joker as a playable character in Smash Brothers. And the first Nintendo Switch reveal, I think it was even the first reveal of the night, was actually Sayonara Wild Hearts. And I remember thinking it looked really cool. There was all these purple colors. There was a person on a motorcycle. I was like, well, that looks fun. And then I never thought about it again. And then the game just comes out. Uh, our mutual friend Dylan, Cosmic underscore Bones on YouTube... Uh, he he was like Brandon. You got to play Sayonara, Sayonara Wild Hearts because he got to play it at at PAX West. Mm-hmm. So I I picked up the game and I just got in bed, got my switch out, plugged in some headphones, and I just let that game take me away for like the two hours that it lasted me, if if even that. Uh, it's a wonderful kind of airy musical experience with uh, incredibly varied gameplay. Don't let that game lie to you from the outside. <laughs> There's a lot going on in there. Yeah. It's a fairly short experience, too. I played it through in a little over an hour. Yeah, it's, it's very short. Um, but uh, after you beat it, you do unlock a kind of full mode where you just play the entire game in one run, mm-hmm. and then you get scored for that. And I think if you get gold crowns in every every level uh there's some additional content after that that you get okay yeah i think i only got a gold crown on like one level so i just i only managed it on a couple myself it's challenging yeah it is you really have to it's a game that will probably reward you for learning the game you know and playing it over and and over again until Mm -hmm. you, you finish it up so replayability is certainly there and and i mean the it's the kind of experience where um you know it's heavily music based yeah uh so and the music is just top notch yeah it's fantastic you're you're gonna want to play it again (laughs) i uh not only do i want to play it again i want to buy the soundtrack uh it's actually on itunes so i'll probably pick it up sometime uh, they're coming out with a vinyl for it too, and I don't even have a player, but I'm, t- I'm tempted. The game really did mean that much to me. Yeah, has a, excuse me, it has a cute story. Uh, it was developed by Annapurna Interactive, which also has a film division, which explains how they got a certain someone to help out with the game, which the game reveals to you at the end. Oh yeah. I was like, no, wait, are you kidding me? As soon as like it pops up on the screen, I was like, of course, like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, definitely try it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Um, just keep in mind, it is a very short experience. Just go into the game knowing that if you have an iOS device and you have Apple arcade, you can also just play it on there if you're subscribed. Uh, and then the other game that I've been playing, a whole lot of yeah, is a uh, Dragon Quest 11s Echoes of an Elusive Age 
Definitive Edition. I don't know if I said the words in the correct order, but those are all the words in the title. A lot of a lot of words. Yes. And apparently it's pretty good. I so I've been told. love this game, Logan. I you know me. Like for a long time I haven't been like the biggest RPG guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dylan was talking to me about this at work earlier. He's like, you've never been like the biggest turn-based RPG guy. You said you didn't like those kinds of games. Well, there's a reason that I like Dragon Quest. There's a lot of reasons I like Dragon Quest. One, I love Akira Toriyama, if you can't tell by some of the elements in my background. Oh, but you can't see the backgrounds. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I love Akira Toriyama. I love his artwork. And obviously the whole game is, you know, based in that design. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the uh, one of the things about RPGs I I've never liked is turn-based combat because it's it's kind of slow and it can get a little monotonous. Random encounters has always bugged me, and Dragon Quest Eleven S has done away. Well, the original has too. Uh, the original release of the game uh, they've done away with all those things. All the enemies are on the map. I can see them. I I feel a lot more incentivized to battle an enemy in the field when I can see what it is before I approach it. Um, rather than being stopped every four steps against my will and then having to decide, do I want to take the time to fight this enemy or am I just going to flee? Yeah. Uh, but the game doesn't force me to make that decision. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I don't know if you noticed this when you've watched me play, but uh, I have my battle speed upped, so the game animations actually play out at like two or three times normal speed okay. to keep things kind of at a quick pace. Right. I played like a good 10 hours at the normal speed and then I sped it up after I had seen the animations a bunch of times because I wanted to kind of, you know, I wanted to appreciate the time they put into that stuff. Yeah. Um, so those are like the mechanical elements of Dragon Quest that I, I, I really appreciate. And obviously it's not the only RPG to do that kind of thing. It's becoming more common now in RPGs like uh, Bravely Second even had the ability for you to turn off random encounters altogether so like no enemies would appear at all. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, I just need I like games that respect my time. I think is the bottom line. Uh so Dragon Quest 11 S, it respects my time. Uh there's a lot of like mini arcs. It's not really so much an overarching plot. There is one, but it's so it's much more about the little vignettes. Like uh, it's like Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door. Like they're divided into chapters, and those chapters are isolated stories. Mm-hmm. So like every time I go to a new town, that town has a story to tell, and I experience it. I help the people. I feel good about myself, and then I move on. <laughs> uh, just last night, I I ended up in a town known for its masked martial arts tournaments that it has annually. <laughs> and if you know anything about Dragon Ball, there's a lot of martial arts tournaments. I'm a big martial arts tournament stan. So uh, it, it's so funny because the whole, like, scenario is designed around Dragon Ball. Like, it's beat for beat the same thing. Yeah. So, like, there was the random ball number lottery that determined who you were facing up against in bracket. Uh, the characters, obviously, they're Toriyama characters. So yeah. I just I felt right at home. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the characters are wonderful. I, I've posted some tweets of some of my favorite moments yeah, so far. I've seen those. Uh, Silvando, uh, who uh, shows up about 10, 11 hours into the game. Uh, <laughs> I had to compete in a horse race. And uh, he ends up showing up on the race day. He wasn't scheduled to be there, but uh, you know, one of the other riders had a little whoopsie. <laughs> I loved, I laughed so hard at that moment. I had to record it and post it on Twitter because it meant a lot to me. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's just fun. It's full of great characters and just 
great interactions. It's not so much about the bigger picture. It's 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 very much the journey, not the destination with Dragon yeah, Quest. Yeah, for sure. So I, I'm just loving every minute of it. I'm really just enjoying my time. Yeah, I'm going to have to download the demo tonight then. You really should. Uh, the opening moments of the game are really exciting. Uh, that said, you do spend the majority of the demo with just one or two party members. Mm -hmm. The game opens up four party members to you right towards the end of the demo. So it's like, here's what the full game's going to feel like, but sorry, I'm going to have to say goodbye for right. now. <laughs> I, uh, man, it left such a good taste in my mouth before uh, you know, before the game came out. It's all I could think about for a while. If it weren't mm -hmm. for Monster Hunter, I'd still have been salivating over Dragon Quest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, you should try the demo out, and then uh, whenever I finish Dragon Quest, I'll let you borrow the cart and just lose yourself in it. It's a it's a great experience. Yeah, for sure. And since it's 11S, it's the definitive version, so there's new content, new character-focused content, uh, as I understand it. There's the 2D mode, which was available in the 3DS version of the game, uh, and then it has an orchestrated soundtrack instead of the MIDI files from the original game. And uh, to listen to some sound comparisons, because, boy, it makes a difference. <laughs> So yeah, uh, I went from just knowing what Dragon Quest was to being a Dragon Quest aficionado overnight. <laughs> well, fantastic, because it seems like there's a lot to enjoy about it. Yeah. Especially I, since they released the first three games as well on Switch. All of which I bought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lucky for me, I had $10 of gold coins saved up, because for some reason I hadn't been using them. So I was like, well, now it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I don't feel any remorse. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. Yeah, so uh, I highly recommend Dragon Quest if you like RPGs, and even if you don't, I think it's a great uh, kind of introduction to RPGs for players because it's the game hasn't necessarily challenged me. It's not kicking my butt. It's just letting me enjoy my time. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's that's all I've been playing. Sorry, I had to get that out. It's all I can no, talk about. No, no, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, I think people need to hear it. I think people need to. Uh, really take it in and i think people should uh try to appreciate some of these more classic uh, jrpgs a lot more especially something like dragon quest which has traditionally not been super successful in the west yeah i think this is a great entry point for new players i mean it certainly is for me because the story isn't necessarily overarching between games right so you don't need to play the first 10 games <laughs> no <laughs> okay now it does make allusions to characters from the past games it focuses a lot on the luminary who is erdrick the original Luminary, yeah, um, which is uh, the entire focus of the first three games in the series, which also happen to be on Switch now. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, yeah, the whole experience of that story is there available on Switch. Yeah, play it. I want you to indulge me. <laughs> well, fantastic. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us today uh, here on Nintendo Stuff. Uh, if you want to continue this conversation, please join the discussion uh, on our Discord. A link is in the description below. Uh, you can also find me and Brandon on Twitter. I am at Loggy Doves, and Brandon is at Baba Babs. And you can also follow us as a collective at Break Room Arcade on Twitter. Um, we also have a Patreon. If you feel like supporting us, please do that. Yes, because your money goes directly into buying a camera. <laughs> buying things to uh, keep this production going and uh, improve upon it. 
we really appreciate all of our patron support. You can also become a member on YouTube. You can also sub to us on Twitch as well. Or even on Anchor.fm if you're really just specifically interested in the podcast. Yeah. So lots of ways to help us out. And, you know, if you don't have the money for that or, you, you know, you can't spare it, that's fine. We're just happy you're here. We love our community. We like playing games with you guys. We like chatting with you. It's all it's it's all been worth it. Yeah. So with all that in mind, guys, we will be back next week with episode 55 of Nintendo Stuff. And uh, you can also look forward to some new videos. We'll have a video of our trip to the Galloping Ghost coming out here in the next couple of weeks. And maybe some other content as Logan and I are uh, getting ready to, so. to work on some stuff. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Logan, I'll have you do the uh, the outro as I walk over to the computer. Yes. And as we always say, don't break your backs. Break in the games. But for now, break time is over. Toodaloo. Toodaloo.